we're going to continue our series um, called I Am, which is a, a study of the redemptive compound names of God. Remember when Moses was called on to lead the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt and uh, Moses was concerned about whether Israel would receive him as their leader and he and God uh, and, and so he asked uh, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what if I go to him and they say, well, who is this guy? How, why are we supposed to lead you? What am I going to tell them? And this is what God told them in Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So the Lord tells Moses to tell the people, if they ask, who is this that sent you? What's his name? This is what you tell them. I am sent you. Now, the word I am really means all that encompasses the nature and the character of God. I am is an, an all-inclusive word that means all the attributes of God. And so the more we understand what his name means, then the more we'll be able to put our faith and trust in God, right? And so a while back, you know, I picked up one of these uh, lifestyle editorials, and I came across this article that said, will prayer make you well? It was a question. Will prayer make you well? And in this article, they said that over 200 scientific papers have been published indicating from research that faith in God has been clinically proven to enhance and benefit the quality of your life. How many of you believe that this morning? And then the article went on to describe that how faith enhances somebody's life. It says, number one, it enhances physically. People of faith who put their trust in God seem to enjoy greater protection from sickness and premature death. Come on, faith in God will lengthen your life, right? Psychologically, people of faith who put their trust in God have a significant level of hope, which is proven to benefit in the prevention of depression and anxiety. Come on, how many of you have hope this morning? And then financially, People of faith who put their trust in God are less likely to live in poverty or experience financial stress. Come on, the Lord, I'll help you with your finances, right? And then relationally, people of faith who put their trust in God seem to enjoy stronger and more fulfilling relationships than those who do not possess a strong faith in God. So this secular editorial, it, it was scientifically and clinically proving proving that if you put your faith and trust in God, it'll positively affect the overall quality of your life. Amen? Now, so if that's true, it, 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 why doesn't everybody put their faith and trust in God, right? If it enhances your life, why wouldn't everybody put their faith and trust in God? Well, I think it could be. It's because some people don't really know who God is. They don't really know who he is. I really believe the reason why people don't really trust God is because they don't know who God is. They don't know anything about him. Think about it. The reason, uh, the reason people have struggle, struggle with putting their faith in God is they, he's a stranger to them. How can you put your faith? It's hard to put your faith and trust in someone that you don't know. It's hard to put your faith and trust in a stranger, right? That's why we need to know who God is. Psalm 9 and 10 says, those who know your name will put their trust in you. Now, what I believe this verse is saying is that the more you know and understand the nature and character of God, the more you're going to trust him and the more you're going to receive from him in your everyday life. Amen. Now, to begin the series last week, Sunday, as I mentioned, we talked about Jehovah Nisi the Lord is our victory. Now this morning, I want to talk about another one of these names that um, 
That is a redemptive compound name, and it's Jehovah Jireh. Now, some of you are familiar with that, which means the Lord is our provider. I love these colorful stories. Jehovah Jireh is another redemptive compound name for God that reveals an important aspect about him. And so Jehovah is a Hebrew name of God that means the God who is. And then Jireh means provider or provision. So you put those two words together, Jehovah, Jireh means the Lord who provides. How many of you know the Lord is our provider, right? Now, in the, in the Old Testament, there's this wonderful story that helps illustrate powerfully the Lord who provides. And so if you're in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to take time to read this whole story, which is a, a, quite a few verses, but then we're going to unpack the story. Starting in verse 1 of Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire in the night. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up his knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at the moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. Isn't that a great story? In Genesis twenty-two fourteen, in the King James, it says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, which means, again, the Lord will provide. Now, we know that Abraham was already a great man of God, right? Who uh, had already knew, who already learned much about God, about the nature and character of God. But it was only after this tremendous experience in the land of Moriah that Abraham truly comes to know God as Jehovah Jireh. Amen. Now, Abraham learned a very deep and personal 
lesson here. He learned something not in his head, but in his heart. He learned that the Lord is my provider. And I think that's a great lesson that we should all learn, that the Lord is really our provider. Amen? Not man, not others. The Lord is our provider, right? Now, like Abraham, many of us know a lot about the, the nature and the character of God, but some of us don't know about that the Lord is truly our provider. And, and so the, the question is, do we really know the Lord is our provider? I mean, it's one thing to say, I know it here, but it's another thing to know it right here, right? Like Job said, Lord, I heard about you, but now I know about you. He knew him in his heart, not his head. And that's the way we need to know the Lord, not in our head, but in our heart, that he is our provider. So how do you get to know the Lord as your provider? That's a good question, right? This story gives us some great insight into what it, what, how, uh, how, you get to know the Lord as your provider. And so we're going to just unpack it a little bit because some of you may be, you, you know God as in different characteristics of God, but maybe you don't know the Lord as your provider like he wants us to know him as our provider. So let's unpack this story and talk about how to get the, how to get to know the Lord as your provider. Amen. Y'all ready? Number one, the first, first thing that you need uh, the first way that you get to know the Lord as your provider is this. You get to know the Lord as provider during a season of testing. Now, how many of you right there say, oh, never mind, Todd. I don't really want to know the Lord as a provider. If that's the avenue, I don't want to go there. But listen, notice what it says in verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Notice it says that God tested Abraham. How many of you know that God will allow everybody to go through a time of testing at some point in their life. You know, listen, if somebody's ever told you that Christianity is this easy road that you're going to travel, don't believe it. Don't believe it for a moment, right? Listen, God never promised us an easy road. He promised us he would be with us, but he didn't tell us it was going to be easy, right? In fact, he told us just the opposite. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. That's what he told us, right? And so why does God allow us to go through a season of testing? Well, because he wants us to get to know him as our provider. That's why he wants us to get to know him as our divine provider. Not a natural provider, but a divine provider, which means, how many of you know God can pull something out of nothing? Amen. He can make something out of anything, right? He can make lemonade out of lemons. How many of you know God's a creative God and God can do extraordinary things, right? But now listen, we'll never know God as our divine provider until we get to a place of deep need in our lives. That's how we get to know him. The reality, as long as we have no needs, we don't need a provider. So when do you learn that God is your provider? When you have a deep need? And that's what happened to Abraham, right? So God allows us to go through a time and a season of testing so that we can learn about Him being our provider. But listen, God always has a purpose for allowing us to go through a season of testing. He's always got a purpose. He's got a plan. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, this is what James says. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking anything. 
How many of you know there's a purpose of trials? And James reminds us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many times. Now, now you, when you read that, you, some people think James must have lost his mind to say count it joy when you go through trials and tribulations. How in the world can you become joyful about trials and tribulations? Well, it's by keeping a proper perspective, seeing your trials and tribulations in the right light. And this is what he says. Remember, God doesn't waste one life experience. Everything that we go through, God wants to teach us something. God wants to help us, right? We have to know that God has a a purpose for allowing us to go through what we're going through right now. Listen, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Amen. Now listen what verse 3 says in James 1. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Now, why does God allow us to go through trials? Because trials purify your faith. Trials are necessary to experience God's supernatural provision. That's why. Remember, Abraham had to have his faith tested before he could experience God's supernatural provision. He he had to be placed in a, a place of pressure, of stress, of strain. Why does God allow trials? Trials build perseverance in your faith, which means it's it's a key to releasing the provisions of God. You know what perseverance is? It's the ability to, to have fortitude in adversity. It's the ability to not give up when things get hard. Amen. It's the ability to not throw in the towel when things get difficult. Come on. If you want anything valuable in life, you got to develop perseverance and you got to keep going. Amen. Even when the way gets hard, even when trials get tough, God's greatest blessings, listen, usually come right after our most difficult time of testing. Isn't that true? How many of you can vouch to that and say, man, so when the, some of the most difficult times I've ever been through, God did something in me that was extraordinary. But listen what James 1.12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The blessings of God's provisions usually come right after we patiently endure the time and season of testing. Amen? Listen, you'll never know God as the provider of peace until you go through the test of something fearful and troubling. Right? You'll never know the God as the provider of comfort until you go through the test of grief and of sorrow. You never go, you never know God as the provider of strength until you go through the test of weariness and weakness. It's in weariness and weakness that you experience God as the God of strength. Amen. Now I wholeheartedly believe we'll never get to know the Lord as our provider until we go through a time of testing. Amen. And so we got to learn to just keep a proper perspective as you're going through a season of testing. Remember, God's greatest blessings are right around the corner. Don't give up. Don't give in. And keep a good attitude. Come on, don't lose. Don't get bitter. Come on, let him make you better in Jesus' name. Amen. The key is don't give up, right? The second way to get to know God as your provider, number two, is you to get to know the Lord as your provider, you need to choose to obey him. I want you to notice the method God used to test Abraham. 
Look at there in, in Genesis 22 in verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. How many of you know your faith is going to be tested? Anybody can say they have faith right here at church. But what about out there whenever you're in the fire, right? And so God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you. So the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. He chopped the wood for a fire for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him. Now, what is that telling us? I really think what really positioned Abraham to receive God's supernatural provision is that he had not, uh, he simply did what God asked him to do. And so sometimes we overcomplicate things. God's just asking us for obedience. I think it's Abraham's obedience that opened the door for God's supernatural provision. And if we want God to supernaturally provide, we got to learn to obey. Come on, I need a better amen. Obedience to God and God's will always opens the door for God's supernatural provision. Now, Abraham teaches us three things about obedience here. Number one, obeying God sometimes requires you to do something that appears to be unreasonable. Listen, if you were Abraham, how many of you would be like Abraham and think, this is, this is unreasonable, God? Did you catch what God asked Abraham to do? God was asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Listen, the, the son that he had believed God for and that God had given him. It doesn't make sense in the natural. Sometimes God will ask us to do things that seem unreasonable in the natural. Like put an end to a relationship that you really desire. Like staying at a job you really want to quit. Like giving up a personal habit or lifestyle that you really don't want to give up. Like forgiving someone that you really don't want to forgive, or like starting a ministry that you're really fearful about starting. How many of you know the Lord is not, He's not so much interested in our comfort as He is in us being the hands and the feet of Him who sent us and has called us into His kingdom. Amen? And so, first of all, obeying God sometimes requires you to do something unreasonable. Number two, obeying God may require you to surrender something that you deeply love. Abraham was asked to give up something that meant the world to him, meant everything to him. And so the question is, are we willing to give up everything for the Lord? In Genesis 22, 2, he said, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. I've heard people say, I can't believe that the Lord would want me to give up and surrender something I love so much. And my answer is, yes, he would. Yes, he would. Come on, how many of you know the cost of following Christ is to be willing to surrender anything and everything for him? That's not a good strong enough amen. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Following Christ requires complete obedience to his will. 
Come on, how many of you know Christianity is not for sissies? Christianity is not for the weak-hearted, amen? Come on, anybody can be a heathen in my book. But come on, you got to have some character to follow Christ, amen? The quicker you obey, here's the third lesson that we learn about Abraham's obedience. The quicker you obey, the quicker you will experience God's provision. When God asks you to do something, we need to immediately and quickly obey. Don't think about it. Don't contemplate it. Just do it. Amen. Notice how Abraham responded to God's instruction in verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took he took two of his servants with him, along with his son. He chopped wood for a fire burnt offering, and he set out for the place that God had told him about. The very next morning, when God spoke to him, Abraham was quick to head out to the land of Moriah where God told him to go. Abraham didn't reason away God's instructions. Abraham quickly obeyed and followed through what the Lord wanted him to do. It makes me wonder, is there a blessing, a provision of God right around the corner for you, for me? If we'll just quickly obey and quit trying to reason away why we're not obeying and just go ahead and do it. Why is it so important that we obey quickly? The quicker we obey, the quicker we receive God's provision. Amen. So the question is, how quickly do you want to experience God's supernatural blessing in your life? Amen. Remember when the disciples were fishing and the Lord, they fished all night and they caught nothing. And the Lord said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Right side. Here you go. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. And they're like, man, we've been, we, there's nothing in these waters. We fished all night. We threw out, they threw their nets out there. What happened? Their nets got filled. Come on. You want your nets to be filled? Obey, right? Obedience to God and God's will always opens the way to God's supernatural provision. Amen. The third way we get to know the Lord as our provider is you get to know the Lord as your provider when you make a, 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 a priority of worship. Worship becomes a priority. And I want you to see something in Genesis 22, 4. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, the land of Moriah. And he said, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further and we will worship there and then we will come right back. Now, Abraham had the opportunity. Remember, Abraham knew what he was going to do. He was going to build an altar and he was going to sacrifice his one and only son. What did Abraham do? Abraham went to worship the Lord. Abraham had the opportunity at this point to get angry and bitter at the Lord for making such a great demand of him. Lord, I can't believe that you would require this of me. I can't believe that you would ask this of me. Worship you? you got to be kidding. But Abraham didn't do that, right? He never lost sight of his priority of worshiping God. He chose to keep a good attitude and he chose to keep his heart, God, his heart right, regardless of his circumstance. Come on, there's a lesson here, folks. He decided to worship God rather than getting bitter or complain about his situation. He didn't show up before God and, and, and complain. What did he do? He showed up before God to do what? To worship. And I think this is where some of us fall short and we fail to experience God's provision. We lose sight of the priority of worship. Listen, we're called the first commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Our first duty 
It's just to worship the Lord. Not for what he gave us, but because what he did. Amen? So we're not worshiping him because he's promising us a bright future. We're, prom- we're worshiping him because he's already done so much for us. Isn't that right, saints of God? But listen, we often get discouraged and we quit worshiping when we go through a time of testing. Isn't that true? I mean, our worship is challenged when we go through a difficult time. I'm not reading my Bible. I mean, what's, what good is that? We quit praying. We even quit going to church. I ain't going to church. We, we, uh, we, we boycott the Lord. I'm not going to church. Come on, I'm going through a tough time and you're sitting up there in heaven. Let me go through it. Come on, I'm talking to somebody today. We quit trusting God and believing God. But how many of you know, come on, that's not the time to give up on our worship when we go through a tough time. Sometimes we allow our circumstance to dominate our thoughts and our attention. And we focus more on our circumstance than on, on God. But listen, but not Abraham. He refused to be trial-centered. Abraham refused to allow his circumstances to keep him from worshiping God. Come on, listen. Trials should send us to our knees in worship. Not boycotting the Lord. He decided to worship God regardless of what he was going through. Here's something important to remember. Next time... You're going through a very difficult trial. Don't stop worshiping. Rather, turn up the intensity of your worship. Amen? Turn up the intensity of your worship. Regardless of what you're going through. And saying, listen, this has nothing to do with a God that I serve. This situation has nothing to do with God. what God has already done for me. I'm going to worship Him regardless. You know, When Job lost his livelihood, remember that? Lost his ten children in one instant. And the Bible tells us he didn't allow his circumstances to keep him from worshiping God. It drove him to his knees. He worshiped God despite his great loss. In Job 1.20, it says this, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head and he fell down to the ground to worship. Now, wait a minute. He just found out all his livelihood was gone. He just found out he lost his ten children. Not just one, all ten. Now think about that for a moment. If you lost all your children in one instant, you lost all your livelihood in one instant, what does Job do? He fell down on the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken away. But praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Job never quit worshiping God. He worshiped God regardless of the cost of serving Him. You know, Western Christianity is so soft. Like we say, God, I'm not doing good right now and so... And you said, you're the provider and all that. And we get an attitude with God. How would you like to be living for God in a, a, a country that doesn't embrace Christianity? And if they find out you're a Christian, they're going to burn you at the stake. How would you like that? And people are doing that every day. They're doing that every day. You see what I mean? We're, we're like, oh, man, I can't believe. 
I can't believe God's allowed me to go through this. We are, we are weak. Come on. We need, we need the fire of God on us. Amen. Come on. We need our motivation and our, and our, our, the motive of why we're worshiping God to be purified. Listen, we're worshiping God because of who he is, not because of what he gives us. Come on. Is that true? Let me say that again. We should worship God for who he is, not because of what he gives us. Come on. He's not a Santa Claus. Come on. He's not a Santa Claus that is ready to give us whatever we need. He's the God of heaven and on earth. And then we need to worship him because he's worthy of praise. Amen. Amen. But listen, trials has a way of purifying your motive of why you serve him. So we need to we need to come to the place where we say, God, I'm going to worship you regardless. Amen. God's supernatural provisions come to those who keep their hearts right and stay in a place of worship. Job made worship a priority. And you know what it did? It released God's provision in his life. In Job 42, in, in uh, the end of the book of Job, some people read part of Job and they say, I can't believe God would allow that man to go through. Well, read the whole story. Don't, don't stop till you get to the end of the story. Because when you get to the end of the story, Job 42, 12, says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys, which is basically double. And he also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Job received God's provision because he never quit worshiping him. Job 42, 17 the last verse, he says, then he died an old man who lived a long, full life. That's an incredible verse. When you read what Job went through and for it to say that he died an old man who had lived a long, full life, that's supernatural, saints of God. That's supernatural provision right there. Amen. It's staying in a state of and posture of worship that you discover God's miraculous provision. Amen. Remember when Paul and Silas were in prison? for their faith again. And, and so um, the Bible tells us they never stopped worshiping God. They get in prison because they said, yeah, I believe in God. Okay, come here. And they put it, not like, not like our prisons, you know, with flat screen TVs and stuff, right? No. And then it says in Acts 16, 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and other prisoners were listening Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prisons were shaken to its foundations and the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now we love to focus on the earthquake came, the prison was shaken, the doors flew open and the chains fell off. But what we failed to really focus on is the beginning of verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. When? At midnight, in the darkest hour, in the greatest battle, at midnight, they were singing hymns. God, you alone are faithful. You alone are worthy. I give you glory and honor and praise. Glory be to God. Amen. And they worship the Lord. The moral of the story is worship releases God's provisions in your life. Amen. The fourth way we get to know the Lord as our provider is you get to know the Lord as provider when you learn to trust him with everything. In Genesis 22, 2, take your son, 
your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Imagine what Abraham is going through at this point. Abraham is asked to give the ultimate, his son, his best, his dream, his future. Isaac represented everything to Abraham. It's what he believed God for years, and now God's saying, give it back. In verse 4, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. When, when Isaac said, hey, hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? We got the wood, we got everything, but where's the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal for the sacrifice? Remember what Abraham said? He said, the Lord will provide. I mean, Abraham got to the point where he was willing to lay his son down. How many of you know that's total surrender? Come on, how many of you know that's complete surrender? Yeah, but God didn't allow, God didn't make him do that. But Abraham didn't know that. Abraham just was willing. Abraham was a man of faith. And he believed by faith that Isaac was going to return. He believed by faith that somehow God was going to provide. Amen? He believed that God was going to provide him a way out. Abraham believed God's promises. He said, listen, he said, we go and worship over there, but we're going to come back. Come on, sometimes you got to call what's not as though it is, right? Come on, he said, we're going, I, we're, but we're coming back. But, but you don't have no animal. We're coming back. And the Bible says in Romans, I think it's in Romans, that Abraham, it was just like Isaac was dead. In, I, in Abraham's heart, he died. He died to his dream. He died to his vision. He died to his life. He died to everything. He said, I'm putting it all on the altar. Come on. How many of you know if you want to receive the provision of God, you can't just put one foot in. You can't put two foot in. You got to dive in the water of surrender. Come on. You got to put your faith and your trust in God if you want to see his divine provision in your life. Come on. His provision doesn't come to the half-hearted and the partially surrendered. His provisions come to those who's all the way in. Amen. Listen, it's, it's in trusting God's heart that we'll experience God's provisions in our life. Do you trust God? Do you trust his heart? You have to first trust him before you can experience him as your provider. You got to trust his heart. You got you to be convinced that God's a good God. When the enemy whispers in your ear that he doesn't love you, he doesn't like you, he doesn't want to help you, you got to throw that aside. You can't let that voice entertain your attention. Come on, you got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. It's in trusting God's promises that we experience God's provisions in our life. We have to believe his promise. In verse 9, you know, it says, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Stop there for just a moment. He tied up his son. And he put him on top of the altar. Then he, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. 
For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram. How many of you know that was the best looking ram Abraham ever saw in his life? He caught, so he saw the ram. He took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Amen. And Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. Isn't that a beautiful story? The Lord is our provider. We got to be willing to surrender and trust with everything. Come on, are y'all willing? Would you do me a favor and let's stand together this morning? How do you get to know the Lord as your provider? Well, you get to know the Lord during a season of testing. Maybe you're going through a season of testing. You know, I've said this often, but it's bear, it bears repeating. Everybody's in one of three places. You just came out of a testing time. You're in the middle of a testing time or you're about to go into testing time. Test. Trials happen, right? How do you get to know the Lord as your provider when you go through a time of testing? When you have a need, when you have a deep need, the deeper the need, the deeper the miracle can be. Amen. You get to know the Lord as your provider as you choose to obey Him. Do you just close your eyes with me for just a second? Come on, how many of you are going through a time of testing right now? When you have a need, right now is a good time to experience the Lord as your provider. The Bible says that God tested, God tested Abraham. God tested his faith. Some of you, your faith is on trial right now. Your faith is being tested. Come on, I just want to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Come on, choose to obey Him. Keep your heart right. Come on, choose to obey Him. Whatever the Lord's telling you to do, whether it seems reasonable or not. Come on, whether it's, whether it's something you want to do or not, just choose right now. I'm going to do the right thing, Lord. I'm going to do the right thing, Lord. I'm going to do the right thing. Come on, just choose right now. I'm going to do the right thing, Lord. Come on, you you get to know the Lord as your provider when you worship Him. Come on, just do like Job and say, come on, I'm the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, be willing to worship as Abraham did, regardless of the cost, regardless of the price, regardless of the sacrifice. Make a decision today and say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. Lord, it's not conditional. Lord, I'm not, I'm not in an agreement. Lord, this, this contract with you that if you meet my needs, then I'm going to worship you. Lord, I'm going to worship you regardless. Come on, right there where you are. Come on, just make a decision, a firm decision and commitment in your heart. Lord, I'm going to live for you. Lord, I'm going to live for you. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. You get to know the Lord as your provider when you trust him with all your heart. Come on, how many of you are willing right now to say, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. I trust you with everything. Come on, Lord, I give you my all. Lord, I believe 
believe, Lord, that, God, you are able. Lord, I believe, Lord, that you're going to take me through. Thank you, Father, for the grace of God that is being released right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. How many of you right now are in the season of testing? Come on, just lift your hands right now. Just lift them high to the Lord and just say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your presence. I need your spirit. Lord, I need your provision. I can't do this alone. I can't do this by myself. I need your help today, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, as we surrender, as we yield, as we give our all. Come on, you're going to make it. That's what the Lord is saying. You're going to make it. 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 It's by my power. It's by my spirit. It's by my strength. Come on, let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. Let's give him honor. Come on, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our victory. Lord, we declare it today. We worship you today as our victory, as our provider today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, you know, this story is a remarkable story. It's a picture of the gospel. Abraham represents God the Father. Isaac being offered up is a picture of Jesus being offered up, right? Or it's a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. But listen, the ram in the thicket represents God's provision so that we don't have to receive the judgment that we deserve because of our sin. Come on, how many of you know Jesus died for us so we don't have to die? Romans 8, 32 says, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us, how much more freely give us all things? Come on, how much more will He freely give us all things? Amen. Come on, just bow your head for just one more second. If you're here today, and you've never really surrendered your life. You've never given your all. You've never surrendered everything, like control over your life. If you haven't given your will over to Him, you can't experience the God of provision until you give your all, until you lay your life down. If you want to, if you want to gain your life, you got to lose your life. You've got to be willing to die to your old life so you can experience the new life. And maybe you're here today and the Lord's tugging at your heart and He's asking you to surrender. If you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian or I've, I've was a, I was living for God, but I'm backslidden, but I'm ready to come back. If that's you, just lift your hand. And I want to pray a special prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anywhere else, just raise your hand. And we're going to pray together. Come on. Just as a, this is the prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. Hand. Come on, there's something supernatural happens whenever you place yourself on his altar and give you all to him. Let's pray this together. Father in heaven, thank you for dying on the cross in my place, taking my punishment so I don't have to endure the punishment. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you forgive, and I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Lord, to surrender my all to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for receiving me today, cleansing me today. I want to live the Christian life. Empower me to live that life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Come on, let's give him one more good praise offering. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. 
Listen, if you pray that prayer, there's a card in the pew with a green bar. I made a decision. If you'll take the time to fill that out, bring it into the lobby, to that desk in the corner there. We have a gift for you and just some tools to help you get started in your journey. Come on. How many of you believe that the Lord is your provider? Lord, I pray the provisions of God over the people of God today. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'll have people up here to pray. Please come this way and ask somebody to pray with you before you leave today. God bless you. We love you guys. Be blessed as you go. You're dismissed.